This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary with a California perspective, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 12, Episode 2, Warrior Entrepreneur. Lessons from the battlefield to the boardroom. Talking with Zachary L. Green, founder of Lumware Safety, Inc. Joining us today from his office in South Carolina is Zach Green, former U.S. Marine, firefighter, and successful entrepreneur. Hi, Zach, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on today. My pleasure. Zach, what inspired you to write Warrior Entrepreneur in the first place? You've given us a roadmap as to how somebody can create a successful company with all of its opportunities, the ups and downs, the twists and turns, as well as what all entrepreneurs can expect. But before you answer the question, let me just thank you for your service to our country. Well, thank you for your support. I appreciate that. So, Zach, what inspired you to write Warrior Entrepreneur? I went through a lot of challenges growing up. Uh, As a kid, I went to probably six or seven different schools, bouncing around from one to the next. Public school, private schools, Catholic schools, Montessori schools. You know, I had a very significant ADHD that's considered a disability, but I look at it now as a superpower. ADHD is a disability when you're in school, but when you get out of school, it's called multitasking. And every (laughs) entrepreneur that I know says, oh, he's an energetic multitasker, but they never give you that compliment when you're in school. And so I had a lot of people just, you know, telling me I'm not going to amount to anything. I'm not going to be good enough. And that you, I use that as a fire to kind of keep things going to succeed both in the Marines and in the fire service and ultimately climbing the corporate ladder in corporate America and then ultimately to entrepreneurship. So the book started off as an autobiography. And as I started working with my editor, the editor was like, look, Zach, unless your name's Oprah Winfrey or some famous person, no one's going to want to read your autobiography other than maybe your mom or your your, your <laughs> wife. So what's the story? And what I went back is I went back and I looked at all the struggles I had and how that prepared me for the Marines. And then when I got to the Marines, there was a whole new set of struggles and how that prepared me for the next thing in my life and how it ultimately prepared me for my ultimate challenge, which was starting and growing a business that I can tell you has been tenfold more difficult than anything I experienced in the Marine Corps infantry, the fire service, or anything else in life. And and, and the book is teaching those lessons to other people that are not only thinking about getting into business, but also just in life and how we can use adversity as a great growth and, and tool for clarity and, and, and conquering crucibles. Now, Zach, the, the book opens with you in the hospital and you are hospitalized for COVID-19. And in fact, that battle with COVID is kind of a metaphor for the the challenges and the struggles of your company and getting your getting your company off the ground. Tell us a little bit about that fight, and and you're doing okay. I'm I hope. I am. It's interesting. You know, we are right exactly at the year anniversary from when I came home from the hospital, and I had three times that I basically died while I was in the ICU. I didn't flatline, but I certainly stopped breathing, and my heart rate got down into probably the teens or the 20s. And I had a real near-death, very intimate experience. You know, I've been around life and death situation numerous times in the Marines, even more in the fire service, but nothing this 
intimate. I, I really felt myself falling down that black tunnel, that black hole, mm. and getting too close to the abyss. And that really is what the the book is based off of, this concept of the warrior's journey, which is not a new story. This goes back to Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey when Odysseus was fighting the, the Cyclops or the, you know, the multi-headed Hydra. And it starts with resistance and challenge. That's how the warrior grows and develops that rhino skin. Think of it as like iron sharpens iron. And then eventually the warrior is going to be tested at a point that unlike anything they've ever been tested, that's your crucible. Now, in modern times, the crucible could be a death of a family member or a friend. It could be a divorce. It could be a drug or alcohol problem. Or in my case, it could be the failure of your business. And all that challenge and all those things that happened to you before that is going to prepare you for your crucible. The crucible is that point in time in your life where you no longer can use the trajectory that you've been on to get through this because something needs to change. At the bottom of the crucible is the abyss. And as the great philosopher Nietzsche described the abyss, he said, if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually the abyss will stare back at you. And eventually it will actually consume you. And you've seen that before with people that are struggling with a drug or alcohol problem. The longer they're in that area, the longer they're suffering, the harder it is to get out. The person that's in that bad relationship, the longer they stay, the harder it is to leave. In my case, it was in my business as we were circling the drain and we were losing money. And I just, the the longer I stay there, the harder it was for me to make the change that I ultimately had to make. And that gets us to the other side of the crucible, which is you have to conquer and transform to get through the crucible. I didn't say prevail. I didn't say survive. You have to conquer it. You really have to show that you battled these evil and dark forces and you, you, you won. But the transformation is the most important thing because if you don't transform, you're going to get sucked right back to where you were before. And for me, the transformation occurred when I got a call from my CFO telling us that we were only a couple of days from the business basically going out of business, mm. running out of money. And I knew that I was going to lose my house. I'd have to file for bankruptcy. And I had what I thought was a heart attack, but turned out to be a panic attack. That was my body's way of saying, you, you can't do this anymore. This trajectory you're on is not healthy and, and we're going to shut it down for you. The transformation was I stepped down as CEO from the company that I started. And the reason I did that was I realized I was the bottleneck. I was the one holding it back and I needed to make a change. And by bringing in a more professional CEO and me moving more into a visionary founder role rather than managing the day-to-day operations, our company quickly grew to over $30 million just within the next couple of years of doing that. And the experience I had with COVID was the same thing. All those challenges, everything that happened up to me prepared me for that crucible, which was dying. I was in the hospital. I thought I couldn't breathe anymore. And they were yelling at me, Zach, you got to breathe. We're going to have to put you on the ventilator. Even though I wanted to die, not from a suicidal standpoint, but I wanted to die because I couldn't. The stress of breathing was so difficult Mm. that I knew that if I could die, they'd put me on an intubator and then the machine would breathe for me and I could get that break that I needed. I didn't want to like permanently die. I just wanted to to be messed up long enough to get on the ventilator. Thank God that never happened because a lot of times when you're on the ventilator with COVID pneumonia, you, you don't come off of it. But I ended up surviving. I prevailed. I made the changes that I needed to make in my life and getting the vaccine and 
focusing on being a little more diligent about masking and distancing. You know, that it was a very interesting parallel to that crucible as the one I had with my business. Let's go back to the, well, first of all, thank goodness you're well, you've recovered, you had this experience of the crucible and your military training also helped you through this defining moment in your life, literally a defining moment in your life. Let's go back to the beginning. You had a passion from the time you were a little boy to become a Marine. Where did that come from? And tell us how you actually enlisted in the Marines. I have absolutely no idea where it came from. I, my, my whole family is basically from the California area, you know, having very liberal Jewish grandparents that didn't <laughs> believe you should use your hands to work for a living. Uh-huh. Hearing their grandson wants to not only go in the military, but go in the Marine Corps was enough to almost give them a heart attack right there. <laughs> my parents were so anti-gun growing up, they wouldn't even let me have a squirt gun. And here I am joining the Marine Corps Infantry. So it was just a love and a passion I had for the military and specifically the Marines. Even at the age of probably five or six years old, my friends would be outside playing soccer or riding their bikes. And I'd be in the woods spreading mud on my face. And I'll never forget, (laughs) my grandparents took us on a trip down to San Diego to Oceanside and went to the Marine Corps base. And I remember talking to one of the Marines on the base and telling him I wanted to join up and I was probably seven or eight, and he said, hey, come back in 10 years, and that's exactly what I did. On almost my 18th birthday, because my parents were obviously against me signing up, I I signed up for the Marines, and I guess you could say the rest is history after that. Marine training is legendary in terms of being very tough and pushing you, both men and women, of course, there are female Marines, pushing you to the very limits of human endurance. Give us a sense of some of that training because that training, of course, prepared you for the abyss, prepared you for the crucible that you've just told us about. So I had the unique opportunity to go through both enlisted recruit training at Paris Island and then also the officer candidate program in Quantico. The days start off around 4 to 4.30 in the morning. And uh, you're immediately going outside to do PT five days a week, physical training. And that training could be anything from doing obstacle courses to just calisthenics and, you know, just everything you can imagine. But that's not where it stops. That's just basically where it starts. So by 5.36 a.m. before most people are getting up, we're now going and, and having our morning chow. And then the rest of the day is just tense physical challenges but that's not what made it so difficult i actually enjoyed the physical component of it coming from you know playing four varsity sports in high school and being somewhat of an athletic guy when i was 18 god i wish i still had that body that i had back then (laughs) the mental toughness the harassment the hazing unlike anything anyone could ever imagine and for me it came to a head was interesting because the kids that grew up in the coal mines of West Virginia, the projects of Philadelphia, the slums of New Orleans, they didn't seem to struggle that much at boot camp. I had a really hard time, and it was because I grew up in a very nice neighborhood, very wealthy parents, got everything taken care of for me, moved me around from school to school to schools to take care of all my issues, and these kids had nothing. So this was the first time I was really deeply challenged where I realized there's something here about that warrior spirit. So those kids that had so much challenge, they excelled and boot camp was almost easy for them Mm -hmm. because they knew they were getting three meals a day. When they were at home, they didn't know they were 
three meals a day. They didn't know where they're going to sleep sometimes. And it's that warrior spirit, that warrior journey where you take that at first, you take those challenges and you use them to grow and to develop that rhino skin and to become harder and become unbreakable. I learned that at Paris Island. Those kids had learned that early on in life. And when you look at two kids, one kid's got very wealthy family, goes to a really nice school, never really gets challenged, participation trophies. They go off to college. They have a safe space anytime they're getting challenged and they don't feel comfortable debating. And then you take that other kid that maybe grew up in you know, a bad part of Oakland and, and barely made it through doing everything he could, walking home from school to avoid the gangs and getting shot. And he goes to college and he works two jobs just to be able to pay enough money for college. You take both of those kids and you put them into an environment, a work environment, and the first kid that's been coddled their whole life and they get challenged and disciplined because they didn't do something correct, they're going to be crushed. Where the other kid's going to be like, ah, that's fine. That's the warrior spirit. That's really what I'm trying to get across in my book is how the science of adversity helps you grow and prepare and conquer your crucible. And if it doesn't kill you, it's making you stronger. Now let's come back to after your nine years in the Marines, you then met the love of your life. You joined the volunteer fire department and that's where your entrepreneurial journey begins. Well, it actually began in the Marines, but the actual, the actual formation of the company, the identify the identification of a product began at that point. Talk to us about that and the creation of Lumware Safety. Yeah, so I, I always tell people there's three pillars to a successful entrepreneurial plan. Think of it as almost like a three-legged stool. Uh, it won't stand on two of them. You need all three. The first one is you have to solve a problem in a unique and elegant way. And for me, the problem that I solved was when it gets, got dark during a fire and you get disoriented because you lose track of left and right, up, down, sometimes in and out. You lose track of where your tools are. That starts a downward spiral that creates disorientation, and ultimately, uh, you can run out of air and die. So that was the problem that I had to solve. And the key here is don't focus so much on features and benefits. Focus on solution to problems. The solution I created was I developed this glow-in-the-dark material with a couple other interesting scientists and developers that we could put in different things such as helmet bands or paints on our tools and help firefighters see each other in the dark and eventually started making exit signs that didn't need batteries, light bulbs, or electricity and was able to start to replace our traditional exit signs that need batteries, light bulbs, and electricity and end up in landfills with this that's so much more eco-friendly. And we got to the point where it's now even distributed by Home Depot. Hmm. So that's the first one, solve a problem. The next one is you have to have an unfair competitive business advantage. I didn't say illegal. I didn't say unethical. Uh -huh. Unfair. And the reason why is as a small business, you're usually competing against people that have been around for a while that have a lot of money and a lot of people. You're not going to beat them one-on-one. -on -one. Go back to Sunday school, David and Goliath. The reason David won is, number one, he didn't play the game that Goliath wanted him to play. Goliath said, come to me. David didn't. He stood back, and he used Dave, Goliath's weaknesses to David's strength. He knew that Goliath was slow. Goliath couldn't move around as quick, wasn't agile, and he was able to choose a weapon, the sling, to be able to take him down. That's the same thing you have to do in business. And in my case, my unfair advantage was I only hired firefighters to be my on my sales team. 
I developed 400 firefighters all over the country that sold because who better to sell to a firefighter than another firefighter? Who better to talk about fire safety and exit signs than a firefighter? And then the third component to that plan, which is the most important, and everyone seems to fail on this one, you have to have great sales marketing and distribution. You can have the greatest product in the world, but if nobody knows about it and nobody knows where to buy it or how to buy it, you're not going to be successful. The converse is also true, which is you can have a product that's not that great, but if you put good marketing and branding behind it, you can be very successful. A lot of your older listeners, the ones that are probably over 40, remember the Pet Rock. Mm -hmm. The Pet Rock was a freaking rock that made (laughs) millions of dollars. And the reason why is it had great packaging, it had great commercials, it had great distributions, it was in the checkout lane of every grocery store. That's so important. So if you can put those three things together, that's kind of success. And that's really what I did with LumaWare and with with my companies is try to answer those questions the best that I could. So Zach, just recap for the benefit of our, of our listeners, recap those three pillars once again, please. Solve a problem in a unique and elegant way, unfair competitive business advantage, tremendous sales marketing and distribution. Okay. Now talk to me about teamwork. You include an acronym here in your book, Together Everyone Achieves More. Talk to me about teamwork and the importance of teamwork in your creating and building Lumware safety. So there's this concept in the Marine Corps called a force multiplier. That's something that takes your force and and multiplies its effectiveness. And at the basis of all force multipliers is the team. And an important thing in the team is diversity. Diversity is so important, not just diversity of race and gender and sexual orientation and religion, but also diversity of culture, diversity of thought processes. People, Some people think analytically, some people think visually. And the reason that team is so important is it allows you to take that problem and come up with multiple different solutions and see it from multiple different areas. So that's one of the first components of the team. The other thing is Sometimes one plus one doesn't equal two. It it can equal three or four. And the reason I say that is if you've got two or three people on your team that fill in gaps that you didn't have, it's better than having two of you because now two of you, you still have that same weakness. Now you'll double on your strength, but you still have that same weakness. Now by having somebody else, they can cover that, that weakness that you have. So teamwork is, is absolutely vital, and the, one of the challenges I had and a lot of entrepreneurs have is you don't usually have a good team when you start out because, A, you can't afford it, B, you're not organized enough, you can't pull that together, and you have to constantly be able to flush out some of those early teammates. Just because someone's worked for you for five years doesn't mean they're tremendous. They could be doing the wrong job for five years in a row, and that's all you could have. So it's been a difficult decision as I move my team up, but I think the most Important thing to think about of the team is back to college statistics, if you can remember the term regression to the mean. Mm -hmm. And what regression to the mean means is the mean is basically the average. If you have things that are really high and things that are really low, eventually they all come down to the middle. But if you're really high and everything else is really low, the mean is so low that it's going to pull you down. Always surround yourself with people that are better. Always surround yourself with people that are better than the other people on your team. And I know I've done a damn good job of my hiring because when I go into my meetings, I look around the room and I laugh because I know I'm the weakest link in that room. And that means I did a great job because I have such a stellar team now. Wasn't like that early on. 
but I've been able to, with the revenue growth and the reputation and the way the company's built out, to really start getting those eight players on my team. Zach, talk to me about the concept of never giving up grit. Elon Musk, for instance, famously quoted as saying, for four years, I labored my product. Nobody took a notice of it. And then in the fifth year, I became a household global name. He never gave up. You obviously never gave up. Talk to our listeners about the importance of stick-to-itiveness, grit, stick, simply sticking with the plan come hell or high water. You know, I think 90% of life is just showing up and getting out of bed and putting your socks and shoes on. That's the just showing up. I mean, my God, if you can talk to employers and they say, if we could just get someone to, to show up every day and not take off early and not goof around, you know, how much better things would be. But for me, you know, 90% of small businesses fail within 10 years. The main reason all of those businesses fail is because the founder quits. And there's a problem, there's a solution to every problem that an entrepreneur faces. The problem with that, though, is most entrepreneurs aren't willing to put the work in that it takes to solve that problem. Let me give you a perfect example myself. I was out of money. I needed more money for my company. My investors wouldn't give me any money. I mean, they had already given me enough money. They weren't going to give me additional uh, funding another round. So I went to the bank, and the bank said, well, that's fine, but we need collateral. What do you have? I said, nothing. They said, what about your house? I said, fine. I collateralized my house against the bank loan. Mm -hmm. Now, most people would never do that because not only if I lost my business, would I lose my livelihood and my money, but I'd also lose my house. I'd be homeless. Mm -hmm. But I made that decision to do that. So not giving up is so important. The last thing I want to leave with that, and it's very similar to the story you just talked about, Elon Musk. There's a story about a gentleman that bought a diamond mine down in, I don't know, South Africa or something. And every day he went out and dug through the dirt to try to get the diamonds and ended up after a couple decades, was bankrupt, gave up, quit, sold the property for pennies on the dollar and said, I give up. Well, the guy that he bought it from dug down an additional six inches and found the largest repository of diamonds in all of South Africa. That's the way it is with business. You never know how close you are right to that edge. Now, having said that, it's okay to quit and it's okay to give up. Not everybody is destined for this business. And there comes a time when, yes, you still have that great opportunity, but the risks have been so high and the difficulty has been so much that it may be time to say, hey, I got a plan of, of when we're going to double down, but I also have a plan that if we're going to go three consecutive months without making any money and I, I wipe out all my savings, that, that eventually we're going to have to say no. And that's okay because the common thread with entrepreneurs is failure. It's failure after failure after failure and then finally learning from those failures and succeeding. You know, WD-40 is called WD-40. WD stands for water displacements. 40 is because it was the 40th mixture that they created till they got it right. Really? That's why it's not WD-39, it's WD-40, because <laughs> it took them 40 times to get that solution correctly. Mm -hmm. Now, Zach, do you work with many veterans, Marines or Army, Navy, Air Force? Do you work with many, many veterans who are coming out of the service who want to set up their own business but don't know where to start? Yeah, I mean, that, that 
probably is more than 60, 70% of my time now is working with veterans doing exactly that. You know, the first thing that happens is they say, well, I don't have any transferable skills. And, and to some points they're right, because if I did what I learned in the Marine Corps out in the real world, I'd be arrested and they'd throw the, <laughs> the, the uh, key away from me. But it's the intangibles that are so critical that you can transfer. Grit, teamwork, courage, tenacity, ways to come over challenges, different ways of adapting and overcoming. And those are those things. What you find with people in the military, any of the branches, they've been through their crucible. They've been through that adversity, and they've grown as a result of that. And you don't always see that with someone with a big degree, but you almost always see that with somebody that that served. Tell me about mission accomplishment. And there's a famous Teddy Roosevelt quote that you use in your book. If you'd share that also with our listeners. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the best that says that when you're faced with a monumental decision, the best thing to do is the right thing. The next best thing to do is the wrong thing. But the worst thing to do is to do nothing. And that's where that whole Marine ethos comes in. We would always get in significant trouble in the Marines if you did nothing. But if you did something and it was the wrong thing, you usually wouldn't get in trouble. There's this famous saying that's used all the time that says, great initiative, bad judgment. You'll always get be okay if you had, took the initiative. And the reason why is this concept of failing forward. In corporate America, which is primarily run by middle-level managers, they are so scared of messing up because if they get a project that tanks, that pretty much kills their opportunity for upward mobility into the upper ranks of that company. But an entrepreneur is all about failure and learning from that failure and trying it over and over again like WD-40 did, like Thomas Edison did when he failed almost hundreds of times before he finally got the light bulb to work. The mission always has to be there. And in the Marine Corps, the two common threads that we always talk about that are hammered into you from day one is mission accomplishment, number one, troop welfare, number two. We will have to sacrifice ourselves and potentially other Marines to accomplish our mission. And that's okay because we've all made that decision and that oath to, to serve our constitution and our country and our fellow Marines. It's not okay to give up on this execution of your mission it's okay sometimes to fail. We never want to fail, but at least if we're trying to do everything we can to get out there. And I don't want to be a hypocrite about talking about giving up because I said before it's okay to give up. But that mission still has to be out there, that mission to make the world a better place, the mission to solve whatever that problem is. You may give up on this business venture, but then that opens up the door to your next business venture. The only way you really fail is when you just quit altogether and just say, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Zach, tell us a little bit about the Don Ryan Center for Innovation, where you're spending some of your time working with entrepreneurs who want to learn how to be entrepreneurs. Yeah, so I've, I've lived my whole life in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been very fortunate with the company's success and everything to make our permanent home down here in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. There's a lot of other people down here in Hilton Head that have had very successful businesses that have now retired. And, and the common thread with all of us is we're bored. We want something to do. We've lost our sense of purpose. And the Don Ryan Center uh, basically came out of those, those, uh, that idea of let's match up all these great people we have. We call it the low country area. It's the area between like Savannah, Hilton Head up to like Charleston. 
And we want to have those groups of mentors, and then we partner them up with people in the community that want to start or grow their business. And I'm the director of the HEROES program, which works only with veterans, active duty, and then first responders, police, fire, and EMTs. Zach, in the remaining few minutes of our podcast, do you have some closing inspirational thoughts for our listeners who have that great idea, but just haven't had the push to make the idea, to create the company, to get that entrepreneurial juice going. We're at the beginning of the new year. Perhaps somebody's made a resolution and the resolution is to begin a company this year. Your closing thoughts, please, as we bring this podcast to an end. I've been very fortunate to have some great mentors, and I feel that I am obligated and also honored to be able to pay that forward. So I would love your listeners to visit my website. It's warriorentrepreneurbook.com. At the bottom, there's a contact us section. Please fill that out with your email and your name and address. I am going to be launching a program here in the next couple of weeks that's going to take people through online training, one-on-one coaching, workshops, workbooks, seminars, where we teach you to take that idea and to build it into a business plan, how to raise money from venture capital, how to do those early growth stages. It's going to cover all that with the warrior aspect uh, to that, of those grit and, and integrity and all those things you and I had talked about earlier today. So again, warriorentrepreneurbook.com. My book is also for sale on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, anywhere books are sold. But if you go to that same website and you use the coupon code podcast 2021, podcast 2021, you can get 50% off on the book. Zach, I want to thank you very much for sharing with our listeners your journey on the road to building your own company, a very successful journey and a very successful company. So once again, thank you so much. And thank you for your service to our country. We very much appreciate it. Great. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. And for my listeners, please take a moment to visit our website and subscribe to the podcast. Just click on the subscribe button and all future episodes will come directly to your inbox. You can also listen to the 226 past episodes, which are now sorted by subject. And Spotify.com lets you rate our show. Just click on the Spotify podcast tab, go to the San Francisco Experience, and choose Rating. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.